Welcome to Political Pursuits, the podcast. I'm your host, Lou Ann Anderson. We're so glad to have you here today. I am joined by several special guests. Not unusually, I'm joined by my buddy, Lynn Woolley. You all know him, host of Cardle and Woolley, heard Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. on Talk 1370 a.m. Austin. Our daily reminder of how thankful we are to not live in Austin, although an additional reminder that Austin is heading our way, so beware. In addition to Lynn, we're joined by Janet Brown and Jeff Howard. They are both members of the Belton ISD Accountability Group that um, it has a very prominent presence on Facebook, and they've done some really great work over the last months, both in helping to address the Belton ISD school bond election that uh, just recently wrapped up, as well as a lot of other issues that are needing attention in Belton ISD. And they are just kind of like grassroots activist extraordinaire that we are happy to to visit with today and, and hear their thoughts and perspectives on things. And what we thought we would do with today is basically kind of look at the, we talked about it being the crisis that public education refuses to face, but then as we got to talking, it's like it's really not a crisis, it's crises, uh, plural. And so with that, one of the, the first things I thought would just kind of start local is talk about Belton ISD because they've been making some headlines here. Back on May 7th, we had this uh, bond issue in which Belton was looking for two proposals uh, that they were asking voters to to approve. Uh, basically, they totaled about, what, about $180 million or so. That's principal only. So we're talking about closer to $250 million with interest for those of us who like to track the full dollar amounts of things. And the two uh, propositions did pass, although very narrowly, one by 41 votes and the second by two votes. Belton ISD was very aggressive in their campaigning. And during that time, there were some allegations that came have since come up of potential electioneering. And so that's where we're going to kind of start about, uh, you know, what what was this election, what was happening, and what wasn't happening. So, Lynn, why don't you start us off with some thoughts on that? Well, I think the first thing that I would say is these questions over uh, whether Belton ISD potentially electioneered, this is a dollar short and about 40 years late. Uh, This is nothing new. Uh, Other areas do it. Probably all over the country they do it, although I can't speak to laws in other states. But I can tell you right now, when you drive by a school and they've got one of those uh, modern electric signs out front and it's flashing bond issue and they're going to the Rotary Club and the Lions Club and they're doing proposals or or. Uh, presentations about the bond proposal that is totally one-sided. The only thing that they have become very adept at doing is never saying, go out and vote for this, but the implication is absolutely unmistakable. And in my opinion, when any kind of a governmental agency, especially a school district, because school districts are teaching our kids stuff that just makes some of us cringe, When they're using our money to pass things like a bond issue or to teach our kids things that I would prefer they not be taught. Austin, for example, just had uh, a drag queen parade on Pride Week in the Austin ISD. Um, I get pretty livid about this, and I'm at the point where I think our model is broken and that we need to start over. I'm to the point of abolishing the position of school superintendent and a new way to elect school board members where they're not stacked with people who are are, are part of the uh, education establishment so that there are some real people on that school board, some people who, who uh, might say, hey, you know, maybe we need a new elementary school, but maybe we don't need the other $150 million in this bond issue. And so uh, to, the, uh, to the article of one of the articles that you wrote about questions arising now, does the education industry face waning confidence? 
and I think that that uh, that has been apparent in Loudoun County, Virginia. It's apparent in Round Rock, where there are major issues going on with a school superintendent who is, in effect, uh, has done criminal activities that nobody's disputing, and they still kept him. And then in these uh, school bond issues. Well, and what I would also ask is there has been increased um, advocacy and outspokenness on the part of parents, on the part of other concerned people with regard to their concerns. But what do we think about the responses that we're getting back from the school districts? Are they actually being responsive or are they just countering with you know their own their own narrative and not really facing the issues and not you know are they being truly responsive to the constituents to the taxpayers to the people who oh yeah pay the bills janet exactly and and thank you again for inviting us to uh to give voice to these important issues that face our uh in education system especially here in texas um with regards to the bond yeah we said this is the bond that was on steroids um for for belton isd and um we did see i mean we had stickers that were going on kids uh, foreheads chests as they were leaving classrooms um, it was just off the chain, off the chart. Uh, people had uh, yard signs showing up in their yards overnight um, that they did not even ask for them. So it was just a, a very, very aggressive uh, campaign um, for the bond to vote yes uh, on the bond. And what what we also see with this that whenever you would uh, speak um, or a, a you know, to bring uh, questions forward about the bond, uh, that there was uh, an army of uh, legalese that would be brought. Also, uh, there was also condemnation, and we would, uh, uh, in some 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 cases, we would even uh, see the board kind of speak condescendingly down to us as constituents and we we felt that even at board meetings oh my goodness that sounds a little bit like bullying uh yes (laughs) ma'am yes it is and um and then a lot of uh the reply back because we speak uh you know during our public comments um at board at board meetings that's allowed through the open meetings act if you're all familiar with that and they allow us three minutes to get our questions or comments uh, to the board or to the superintendent across. And we, so we have to be very concise and uh, very clear in those three short minutes. And they, uh, the board, what we uh, discover is that there's a lot of uh, gaslighting that happens. We see this in print. Um, in our uh, publications, our print publications, but also uh, when they're uh, speaking or replying back to us. We've had board members on their personal social media uh, do that. Uh, We actually, a few of us filed grievances uh, against uh, two of the board members with regards to how they were. That's a broken system. Yes, (laughs) the grievance uh, process, um, how they were uh, responding how they were uh, actually posting about the bond on their social media. And um, so, yes, so it is a broken system. And Jeff, let me ask you this. When you guys are there at these meetings and you're doing your little three minutes now, a lot of times with that, my understanding has been in going to a lot of these things that you can go in and you do your three minutes, but then it's also made very clear that you're not really – they're not going to respond back to anything you say. This is just your time to speak, hold your peace, and then go back and sit down and let us get on with with the business. Are you finding any of your efforts actually getting what you would think would be real response to the the specificity of things that you're bringing up? In the long run, yes. It just takes them an extremely long time to wake up and figure out what's going on. We've seen that happen. Um, as far as talking to to the board itself, <clears throat> obviously the attorneys have taken the Texas Open Meeting Law and they have the most stringent um, interpretation of that right. law that can be. 
there's nothing in the law that says there can't be a question and answer period or uh, when you ask a question of the board, they can answer that. That's just an, uh, a legalese interpretation of it. Um, we've been doing this for oh, about a year and a half now. And we've pointed out many, many things, discipline issues, the whole bit. And just recently, they have come out and done a parent-teacher sit-down where parents and teachers can come in anonymously and talk about the issues. This was presented at the last board meeting and it's everything we've been saying for a year. But the board has just kind of looked down on us and said that's not happening. Everything is good here in Big Red. You know, um, unfortunately there was that incident at uh, Belton High School where the young man was killed with a knife fight. But you have to go back and you have to go upriver to find out why all the bodies are coming out downriver. What's, what's the cause of all of this? And we've told them it's discipline. The teachers have told them it's discipline. Um, the kids live in, in a consequence-free environment. The teachers aren't backed up. We've heard that time and time again from teachers. They send kids to admin, admin sends them back with a juice box and a cookie, you know, no matter what level it is. Um, they're just, they don't have the support. That was brought out to the school board, finally, after, what, almost over a year of talking, right. talking about this whole thing. Uh, completely unresponsive. They don't understand it. We're, we're not the enemy. Right. We're friends. We're trying to help out. We're trying to help out the students. We're trying to help out the parents. We're trying to help out the teachers. That's the triangle right there. Administration, school board, okay, you're the bureaucrats. The rubber hits the road in the foxhole down there with the teachers and, and the students. They need the backup. They need the support of the, uh, the administration in order to do their jobs. Jeff, if you were personally to run for school board in Belton, to what lengths would the educrocracy in Belton go to keep you off that board? Well, we see, oh my God, we saw it with the bond. Um, I, I talked to the school board, or spoke to the school board, spoke at the school board the way it actually is, and broke down the, the bond election for them. There was over $40,000 spent on the Vote Yes campaign for a little over 2,800 votes. You know, you talked about how close the vote was. The grassroots effort uh, spent $1,300. They spent over $14 a vote to win the bond. The grassroots almost beat it at 33 cents a vote. That money is coming from builders, developers, other people that are gonna benefit from the bond. You know, it's, it's a systemic issue too across the state because you can't build anything uh, in a school district without a bond. Okay, that's a legislative issue right there. That causes a lot of what these school boards are doing. There has to be a, a relook how schools are funded. Um, I've, I've looked at it, it's made my eyeballs and my brain bleed, uh, trying to figure it all out. Um, this Robin Hood law, they need to really, really take a solid look at that because so much money is taken away from the school districts. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, Belton, uh, looking at, at uh, their budget, 85%, 84% of, uh, of our M&O dollars goes to salaries and benefits. That's awfully high. They're administratively heavy. And if you look at those salaries, um, that only leaves 15 or 16% for <laughs> maintenance operations and you know things that are really supposed to be happening in the schools, which leads to, what is it, $6,000 here, or $6 million, $8 million uh, for maintenance. They call it upgrades. They call it, um, what they call it in the bond, Improvements. Improvements. Improvements, okay. Improvements. But those are your M&O dollars. You've already spent those. They're spending all their money on uh, salaries and benefits. Now, God bless it, teachers, teachers are entirely underpaid. But you have to look at the balance of how much administrators are paid. And how many of them there are. And that's the thing. Exactly. You have to look at what their flow chart is, uh, their organizational chart, and see how many administrators there are, what they're doing, and what their salary is compared to what the teachers are. One thing that I thought was a bad look uh, for the Belton ISD was just as we finished this huge high school, Blake Belton High School, the Taj Mahal. just getting it going, and I think we're in the second or third year, I, I forget which, uh, turn around and ask for more money. Seems to me to be crazy. I'm thinking every time I drive by that high school and see that thing with the lovely temple, water tower yes. 
Yeah. Right behind it, I think, my gosh, how many, not years, but how many decades will it take to pay this off? And they're coming back and asking for more money. Now, Belton has got this designation as a fast-growing school district. Temple's about to be that way, too, because Temple's starting to go east now, uh, where there is still a little bit of of space left in the Temple, uh, for for Temple Independent School District to grow. But I want, maybe um, Janet can address this, or just at least generally, and I know we have the experts sitting right here, Miss Anderson, but... How much school debt, say in Bell County, we have three large school districts, several small ones, Colleen, Belton, Temple, and then on a statewide level, the amount of debt that we the people owe because of these school bond issues is absolutely amazing. And some of these districts are using it, including ours, on football stadiums and things like that. Is there a point at which, like the national debt, this may come back to haunt us? Well... With, and that's a great question because they, the uh, school districts want you to focus on the bond today and they don't want you to talk, they don't want you to remember the bond that's still being paid off or the bonds that are being paid off. So with these, with the new bond that's been, been added onto Belton ISD, it's now over $600,000. $600 million. Yeah, $600 million. Yeah, excuse me, $600 million that the tax that's a taxpayer burden it's a um and if you pay property taxes this is you taxpayer and so that's why we encourage uh you know we get a lot of uh, people say well i don't go to board meetings because i don't have kids in school and i say you pay property taxes go and let me ask jeff when they bring in an organization like huckabee and associates (laughs) and they pay them $71,500. Is there a component of this? Because I think part of this is, okay, how do we structure the bond issue? Do we do it in in different parts, or do we do it as a whole, or all that? But Jeff, is there a component to what Huckabee and Associates did for BISD that was helping the Belton ISD know how to get this thing passed? And if it is, is that legal? Uh, the legality of that is a good question. And yes, there's definitely a component to it. Um, as you stated, $71,000 of the 2017 bond money went to that. Okay. Uh, for consultation, architecture, and everything else. It's interesting. We went to a school board meeting and they presented uh, plans for the quote unquote two new schools. And they look very, very similar to the existing plans already at Chisholm Trail. So the question is, are taxpayers paying twice for the same set of plans? Well, it's interesting. If you look in Temple, I live over by Thornton. Thornton is kind of a blocky school. It's it's not, it, I mean, it's all modern and everything. It has a windmill. Um, it rarely turns. But, but, it's, but it's a blocky type school. I mean, you go over to, uh, over there where Lamar is, and then there's a, is that Jefferson that's right across the street over there? It looks like a junior college to me. Very, uh, very elegant. Um, would it be, I know we don't, maybe we don't want schools, you know, made out of ticky tacky and they all look just the same. Exactly. Uh, but if we've got a nice architectural design for an elementary school, could we use it more than once? Oh, definitely. Um, in fact, there they looked at two separate models for elementary schools. One that was stacked on top of each other, you know, two floors, which we've seen those models around, and they work very, very well. They actually have a smaller uh, thumbprint, um, so they can fit that on small, smaller acres of land. And then they look at the the more laid out. Uh, version which takes more acres which is more money that's why they they increased actually the amount of uh, money to purchase money for yeah, land, land in the bond to yep. seven million dollars it was uh, I think it was about 1.7 in the original bond so they increased that so they have options to to work on smaller uh, footprints for the kids and the kids really they, they need you know they need a learning space because really it's it's all about how can we effectively help our kids learn better and also for the teachers to be able to to work with the kids 
Okay, let's talk about learning for just a minute because that always rings a bell with me. Uh, do we have CRT, uh, critical race theory, in Belton schools? And do we have uh, black studies in Belton schools? Do we have feminist studies in Belton schools? Do we have LGBTQ studies in Belton schools? And do we have drag queen parades like we had in Austin? I haven't seen a drag uh, queen parade yet, but what you mentioned is not uh, specifically taught by a program or anything else, but it is uh, uh, slowly leaking into the academics. Um, one is the, uh, does Belton ISD use the Prodigy? Because I wanted to use that as an example, but that's, um, that's probably a good example across the board though, yes. is fifth grade Prodigy math question was there are, <laughs> What is it? There's 30 kids in your class, 20 or 10 identify as non-binary. Uh, what portion of your class is non-binary or what percentage of your class is non-binary? Wow. Now, what kind of yeah. math question is that for a five-year-old or a fifth grader? I mean, that, that brings up the question, teacher, what's non-binary mean? And right. then that starts that discussion within the classroom. Right. You know, those are examples that, uh, that you'll find within some of the, uh, the programs are using for, the, for, for education. And if I were the teacher, I'd say, uh, Johnny, that refers to how we code computers. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we use zeros and ones, and yep. that's what that means, and that's all that it means, means. little Johnny. Yeah, well, but here, you know, it, it gets to the question to me. I would do some give and take if it were me. If I could sit down and negotiate with, what's this guy's name, Matt Smith? Or, or uh, Bobby Ott, who uh, Luann and I had lunch with one time, and I thought was a very nice gentleman, but is all all caught up in in this. Um, I I would say, look, I'll, I'll I'll give you, I'll vote for you a new school mm-hmm. if you need a new school, and in return, what I want is a pledge to me that there will not be a Pride Week celebration, that there will not be a drag queen in the schools. Dallas just hired Stephanie Elizalde from Austin. Good riddance, but God bless Dallas. They're going to need help. They don't know what they're getting into. They, well, they do because she worked there. Yeah, she true. came to that's Austin true. from Dallas. Now she's going back because of you mentioned uh, Robin. Even Hood. more and radicalized it, yeah, going back to Dallas. This is uh, she's more radicalized having been in Austin, but yeah. they have problems with recapture there. But they're bleeding students too, and there's a reason they're bleeding students. You know, if we could teach American exceptionalism, if we could teach civics, true civics, if we could, if we could teach life lessons like. Let's say, uh, little Johnny, that uh, you're 21 years old and you've got your first job and you're making $30,000 a year. What kind of a situation would you be in when you're 70 years old if you put back 10% of that and use the magic of compound interest? You know, do they teach them things like that? One of the things, though, that concerns me is I agree with you. Making those concessions, the negotiations on things, yeah, I agree i mean that's what life is about and so i got no problem with that but what concerns me and what we see happening in these districts is the the subterfuge the thinking that oh they're real sneaky and the not being upfront about things the way they're coming in here you know putting this in the math math test in temple we had the situation with no place for hate whereas last fall i remember one Saturday morning reading this article about that the TISD was commemorating, they were celebrating these schools being designated as no place for hate campuses. And then it goes on in the article explaining, and it's a program that is that is uh, sponsored by the American Def- Defamation League. I immediately, every radar went off in my head and... I sent it to Lynn immediately. He was aware of it, having the same reaction. Oh, absolutely. The the Anti-Defamation League put my name on a list of talk show hosts that uh, must be repudiated. Congratulations. Oh, that's been 20 years ago. But uh, could we talk just a bit about media? I was looking through some old certificates and awards and things that I had uh, and and I found one that stood out. A they mis- misspell my last name on it. He's always sensitive about that. I am. <laughs> and it was from the T- Temple Independent School District and it was presented to me for excellence in reporting on school issues. Anytime that happens in Belton or Temple, that makes the front page, not the not page 2A, not second front, not the sports section. It makes page 1 usually below the fold, but sometimes above. With a picture. With a picture. 
that ex-reporter for Channel 6 or Channel 10 or Channel 25 or the Telegram is being awarded and Bobby Ott is there giving it to him personally, the superintendent, for excellence in reporting. You know what that means? That means that they are giving an award to a reporter who reported the way they wanted that story reported. Now, the Temple Daily Telegram, several days late and several dollars short, finally did a story on this by a reporter named Joel Valley. It was not, in all honesty, a bad story. In fact, I emailed Joel and congratulated him on the story. I sent him about 10 links about this same story and said, here's some more information. Keep up the good work. But what I have been told, and this has come from more than just one source, is there is no further news value to the story of Belton electioneering until somebody files a complaint with the Texas Education Agency. And they'll be they'll be uh, filing more stories in I guess because there has been uh, complaints filed with the TEA and the office of the uh, Attorney General over the electioneering you know those were just filed here in the past couple of days so after their their little news cycle was over with I guess but that is in the works um, well here's here's my thought and I, I want I'd like to get all three yeah. of you guys to see if you agree with what I, what I'm saying here when I got into the journalism business in 18. Um, no, I think it was 19-something or other, mumble-de-mumble. Was that the Gutenberg Press? It was. Okay. No, we actually had radio then. I actually got into the news business when I was at UT, and that would have been 1970. was my first job in a news department, not being just a disc jockey. guy was named Bill Watts that hired me. He sat me down, drove me around town, and then I had another news director named Bob Scott in Dallas at WFAA, same way. We report the news. We do not report our opinions. Right. We do not report hearsay. Mm-hmm. We, we, I mean, would you like to see my memos I have kept over the years about this sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Now, in journalism schools, you're taught you are not there to report the news. You are there to save the world, and you will do it from a left-wing perspective. Mm-hmm. So that is part of the issue. Here's the other part of the issue, and the one that disturbs me even more. We have people in every city who are movers and shakers in a city. You can call them the powers that yep. be. You can call them the, the, the you know, the, the, uh, the city elite, whatever you want to call them. But there is a, an unwritten rule among these led by the chambers of commerce head in every city that the weather is, it's always 72 degrees and sunny in Belton, Texas. You know, if you're listening to the chamber of commerce. There is an unwritten rule that if you are an important VIP in a city, you will be for the city bond issues, the county bond issues, and the school bond issues. If you are on the city council, you will be for the school bond issues. If you are on the school board, you will support the city bond issues. This is a cycle that is destructive and it is disgusting. Anybody disagree with me? I would love to hear it. But what do we do to break this cycle? Well, and there's such a collusion aspect to it also because they all get together and they have the calendar of the upcoming elections in order to stagger which entity first asks for the next bond election so that they're not coming all at the same time. So they take their turns with their handout. And then the other part that's more tragic than that is when the local news media is part of that. Yeah. So I was Absolutely. glad to see KCEN-TV went out and actually did a story on it. Yeah. Temple Telegram did a story on it, but they're not going to do a follow-up story without being pushed. But the other thing, too, though, is that I think that there is a dodge in there that they are using, and that is it can be argued whether or not electioneering under the letter of the law took place. Right. And that's what in several of the articles that I wrote, I kept saying, I don't know that this is illegal, but it's not a good look. This may not have violated the law, but it certainly was the implications were clear of what the influence, what the impression was. I see of the public comments that I have seen on social media and talking with people, that is a huge sentiment that I think is in the Belton community is that people were like, it may not have technically been electioneering, 
They may not have violated the law, the letter of the law, but when it comes to the spirit of the law, right. they trampled it. All right, here, and that is a problem. Yeah. And where is the Temple Daily Telegram? Well, let, let me. I want, I want to make a statement issue. about the Temple Daily Telegram. First of all, I, I'm in Austin. I read the Statesman sometimes. It's a very far left leaning newspaper. The Temple Daily Telegram's editorial page is far more fair than the op-ed page of the Austin American Statesman. Or I wrote op-eds for the Dallas Morning News for 15 years until they decided to go full-blown left. And so they, they, they fired me. I think they either downgraded Mark Davis from KSKY up there, who was the other conservative columnist for the Dallas Morning News. But I will say this about the Temple Daily Telegram in their favor because I'm an honest person and credit where credit is due. When the kid at Walmart had his collarbone broken, by the by the police by the local police the telegram reported on it they reported on it fairly they also have at the temple daily telegram a a big uh predilection to to cover stories during what they call sunshine week which is uh the newspaper celebration of transparency and I, I have always appreciated the Telegram doing that, and I have sent them many texts and emails, keep it up, keep it up. Our job is not to lick the boots of the government, but to be an adversarial press. It doesn't mean that we're against everything. It means that we question everything. That's what's a, what a journalist does. Where, where our local media sometimes, and again, Telegram and Channel 6 both did stories on this, where they sometimes draw the line is on these bond issues where they will not report on them with any amount of journalistic integrity, in my opinion. So while the Temple Telegram is probably better than 90% of newspapers its size, I would still think that they would be more curious about this and to say, well, nobody's filed a complaint with the TSA. Okay, as a journalist, you go dig. You don't wait for the complaint. You be the cause of the complaint if there is a there there. And that's my point. That's what a journalist is supposed to do. With regard to the telegram, I agree that they have had some standout moments. Now, with that whole thing with the kid that was at the Walmart, that reporting, and there was other reporting during that time that was going on, that reporting was due in large part because of a reporter named Deborah McKeon, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago. She was wonderful. She was on the job. I always was shocked that the Telegram let her do the type of in-depth in reporting that she did. She did a great job with that. But the young black man who was shot through the head on the night of the Christmas parade a couple of years ago, do you realize we still don't have the body cam footage? Do you realize that that story is still, is, is still in journalistic purgatory? Well, and that was going to be my, my next thing about the telegram is that they are not above filtering out or you, what's, what's that other word? Oh, yeah, censoring what suits their purposes. Because to their credit, over the years, every time there's a bond election, I have my little standard letter to the editor that I write about, you know, yes, they're promoting this <clears throat> X amount for the bond, but it's important to note that there is also interest that corresponds with that. And I go through and I do my little litany. Last November, I did that same litany, which was printed, however... What I sent to them originally also included a brief paragraph about the No Place for Hate curriculum that we had brought into opposition for the November Temple ballot um, right. bond because it was like, oh, and by the way, there are people that are introducing critical race theory into your, into your child's curriculum. Do they deserve more money, more of your money? And I had a paragraph about that within my letter. And my letter was within the, the, the um, word count uh -huh. that they want. That was in there. It was, didn't it make it too printed. long. And that part wasn't printed. Wow. Although they lost the election just barely, but they did lose that bond election. And quietly, it would seem a few weeks later, they discontinued the No Place for Hate. 
And that was one of the things that I was very going quiet, to say. Very quietly. Very quietly. And that was one of the things that I think was such a miss for them. Because this is where when you talk about they view you as an adversary. And I, that's what I was saying. That it always seems like they're trying to be sneaky about things. If after that election, and I, I'll give them a pass on the timing of it. In fact, I'd say because of that election. If Bobby Ott had come out and issued a statement or John Wallen, their their uh, public information guy who told me that absolutely they don't teach CRT in who makes how much telegram. Money? Uh, I'm sure he has a nice salary as most administrators do. Yes. Well, our our public spokesman uh, industry in Bell County is alive and well. The county has paid spokesmen. Mary Harden Baylor has, of course, they're private. But but, but everybody has them and they need to go. Had they come out and said, dear public, dear temple, parents, taxpayers, we have elected to discontinue this program. In looking at it more closely, we realize that it has some components to it that do not align with the values that we are looking within our district to espouse, with the values that we believe most of the parents, most of the taxpayers in this community espouse. And because of that, we are going to discontinue that. And, you know, we also, you know, they could even said, we took that perhaps this bond election was a vote against this program. And so we're listening. We're responding. Thank you for bringing this to our attention. I mean, that's a smoke. But you know measure, what? Good, good, le- good leaders would have will admit, done. Will, will admit mistakes. But but the the, the Beatles the Beatles had the best answer to this. Yeah. This this whole thing with the ADL. I should have known better. Yeah, should have known right. better. And I'm sorry, but they should have. Let me ask Janet something uh, and get her in here because you know me. I'm I'm a provocateur and I am <laughs> and I am a cynic and I ask questions that I think the general public would like to, to have asked. I think, and I'm not saying it's not legal, but I think school bond issues are fixed from the start. They have all the money. They have all the political elite. What if we, as part of every every bond issue, what if we allocated $100,000 in cities of our size, districts of our size, to promote the bond issue? 50% of that, or $50,000, goes to the pro side. $50,000, or 50% of it, goes to the opposition side. That makes an equal playing field. And then let's see how many of the bond issues pass. In that situation, when a bond issue passes, you can pretty well be assured that it was a well-thought-out, good bond issue that the taxpayers are willing to fund and that we need. I myself have said in Temple, I would have voted for the new elementary school. I've seen the rooftops out in East Temple. If the, if these bonds, if this bond from Belton would have had three elementary schools that right. actually fixed the needs of yes. the southern uh, southern portion of BISD, I would have voted for it. There's enough money in there for three schools. Right. But no, they've wasted their, their maintenance dollars, uh, have not done maintenance. Now they're asking for seven, eight million dollars to go back and do their normal maintenance. Um, in 2017, this bond right here asked for seven million dollars for land. In 2017 bond, they bought 109 acres off of Shanklin and 121 specifically saying we'll build an elementary school we'll build a middle school and possibly a high school five years later fast forward that question is asked at these meetings they had oh no 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 that's for a high school in the future oh and yeah by the way we found out it'll cost five six seven million dollars to put the infrastructure in there so so janet to my question uh, i don't know if it would be legal to do but it would seem to me that that a level playing field for pro uh, forces and and I don't like to call them anti. I like to call them the "let's don't tax ourselves into the ground" crowd. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, would that be a, f- a more fair situation? Because right now, my opinion is the school board elections for bond issues are are stacked. They're fixed. They almost never fail, and and when they do, they fail by two votes. Right, and it's just it's like fifteen percent of our voter base is who's deciding on these bonds. So normally it's all, less. Yeah, out of we had high fifteen yeah. percent this time around. Usually it's less, and that's one reason also why the schools want to keep these type of decisions happening in May, 
So, okay. and that has been, that type of decision has been discussed. Rather than in a presidential yeah. year or, a, or exactly. a big big governor's race on the ballot or anything like that. It's the off-season that. elections yes. where there's low, low voter low turnout. turnout. Normally, you have less than 5% voter turnout. Do you think Huckabee things. and Associates would be aware of that? <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, you know? along with TASB. And, and TASB, yeah. I know for a fact, TASB, this has been discussed before, and TASB is, because uh, it's a legislative change. Right. And TASB, and they're nothing more, well, they are a taxpaying lobbyist organization. Absolutely. That's all right. they, are. they are. But they're up there lobbying against this, so they're lobbying against taxpayers' voices right. by doing that. Yes, and, and one thing that, that we say is, like, I'm not against school bonds. I mean, I, in fact, I, I mentioned to the board in one of my public comments, I said, look, you guys need to focus and fix this education issue that you have going on in Belton ISD. You know, then I'm going to vote for your bond. You need to get the pornographic books out of the library. You need to take care of your teachers. Make sure you're going to pay them because our Belton ISD school teachers are underpaid. I said, you, you need to pay attention to what's really important. Wait in- a minute. You don't like the book, George? Did you didn't like it when they republished the book after George transitioned and became Melissa and they changed the name to Melissa? You don't like that kind of thing in our schools? Look, somebody asked me the other day on the radio, Lynn, we're being told now that an 18-year-old is not qualified to make a decision on buying an AR-15, but a four-year-old is qualified to decide whether he or she is a boy or a girl. This is left-wing thinking. And, that, and they believe this, and this is what they're being taught in college. Um, I don't know how we totally fix society given the, the political dispute, but I know how I would fix society. Uh, I think we have to put a lot of truth in there. We have to get rid of the insanity. If you're born a female, you're going to die a female. And, and same thing, of course, for, for males. You can, there, there are certain things that are immutable, and I don't understand why we would be teaching kids things that are patently not true in a place where kids are supposed to learn things that are true. When you talk about, though, when you talk about how the stack, you know, it's rigged, the deck is stacked, whatever, against local bond elections, right. or I would say even positions that local parents, taxpayers may have, it's important, and I don't know that the average person understands the true layers of stacked against them that they are. They got a good, they got a good little inkling back last fall when the National School Board Association was colluding with the Biden regime. Right in terms of labeling outspoken parents <laughs> as domestic terrorists. And how long did right. it take TASB? Yes, uh, months. Right. Too right. little. Months. Too, I think somebody wrote a column about that being too little, too late. <laughs> yeah. and could, could, Belton, could Belton ISD or Temple ISD become the first school district in Texas to tell TASB to take a hike? Uh We've asked them to do that. Uh, well, yes. and there have been, and yes. there were, and there was yes. an organization that absolutely yes. was calling on people back in November before those yes. elections to ask your local school district well, to resign from TASB. Yes. Let, let, let me make one quick statement. <laughs> TASB, the Texas Association of School Boards, is a left-wing, anti-parent, anti-student, pro-school superintendent, lobbying organization whose purpose for existing is twofold. Number one, to keep parents out of their kids' education, and number two, to use taxpayers' money against taxpayers. That's what they are. And they are the ones that perform the indoctrination on your local school officials. Yes, they do. Yes, in fact, they they actually, there's coaching. We went to their TASB training. They're required to have three hours. She didn't get assimilated, though. I didn't get assimilated. (laughs) But um, we actually, they actually train them how to uh, defuse or to minimize either if it's a board member that's out of line that's bucking against the the team of eight or if it's a parent or you know anyone that's speaking how can we minimize the, that their voice and take them you know take them out of the picture we just keep coming back um, they have tried. In fact, they've even, um, we had admin call us. This was at the end of uh, November, December of last year. And they said, hey, we, we listened to what you said at the public comments, and we would like to uh, 
go a little bit deeper on what you were talking about and what you brought up at the board meeting. And what was interesting is they followed up the, that conversation with so that you don't have to go bring it to the board because they don't want us to have it on public record. Mm-hmm. What we are, yes. So, but we still, we, so we've been meeting with admin. Sometimes it's eight, 10 hours a week that we're doing. And then that doesn't even count the research that we're doing went on whether it's curriculum. Is it, sin- is it sincere interaction yes. or is it just looking as a distraction to shut you up and keep you away from those school board meetings? 50-50. Yeah. Now, okay. we did get, we were able to get a, um, they had Pinellas, um, Fonta, Fontas and Pinellas. Yes, right. uh, we, because we hit, that was the reading program. So we did research on that. Uh, we talked with the education admin um, about the issues that we were having with that. And so now that will not be renewed. In fact, um, that's not going to be renewed. That's not even uh, for any of the Texas school districts. So we weren't the only uh, parents, concerned parents, that brought that. Also, they had character strong. That now they were that was in our schools. Now that is a castle. It's sponsored under castle. Now Belton ISD was only using one portion of it uh, for character traits, and we actually uh, there was a group of us. We we gained access to Character Strong. We got the passcode, so we were able to look at what was actually going into the school to the school teachers. And this is curriculum you're paying for. So if you had to yes. fight very hard to yes. get access to yes. that, talk about a crock. Yes. It was you have to for anyone who goes to board meetings look at the consent agendas because those are uh, amounts that that you and the board is approving. That was one reason why we started going to board meetings is because they were just blank, blank approving things and a lot and it's your taxpayer money and um in the consent agenda you will find items bundled that were that is where we found character strong that was a twenty five thousand dollar uh check that they wrote for two years uh it will not be written this year uh because we brought the goods after doing research and we showed that it was a crt uh under the guise of social emotional learning and uh, that the, that teachers are very capable of teaching character traits, you know, responsibility, honesty. Uh, they're very capable in doing that. Little Johnny turns in his homework assignment on time. That's responsibility, you know, and... and it should be innate. Yes, it should be innate behavior. Common sense, yes. And you know what? I do hope they're not teaching good sportsmanship because I certainly <laughs> don't think they have much to offer on that front. Uh, you know, so, so, so it's... So that was... So are, So is it effective? Yes. Do we have, um, so we chalk that up as a win. The, the listening sessions that happened for right. our teachers and parents, did it take six months? Eight months. Eight months. Eight months. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, it did, of inaction by the board. And, and our board right. is our representative. You that's elect the them. With the if, what's, what's the I and ISD stand for? Uh, dependent. Yeah, dependent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be independent. Independent, okay? yes. We've been to enough board meetings and policy meetings where it is run and directed basically by TASB. Yes. I've sat in policy meetings with yes. a TASB rep and an attorney yes. talking about the most mundane policies that any intelligent individual could look at these things and say yes or no. They are entirely dependent on TASB. The school board, and I don't care what they say, they're the overall responsibility. They're the elected officials. They're the ones that, that, that received the cast vote. They're, they're responsive to the voters. Right. I had one school, school board member tell me he doesn't work for parents. He right. works for the kids. Yes. Kids don't pay taxes. Kids don't vote. They, TASB has got to go. School districts have got to become independent, and school boards have got to become responsible. They have got to sit down, and they have to look at what's coming into the schools. They hand it off to administration right. and sit up there high on their benches and 
Look at me. I'm a school board member. One quick thing, and I'm I'm pretty much exhausted, but uh, I'm just so glad that it's not Luann and Lynn against the world out here. Thank you, Jeff and Janet, for what you're doing. It is such a pleasure to know that you're out there and you're fighting for what's right in our schools. And we will overcome. I believe we will. And just when it comes to talking about about TASB and the influence, one of your your colleagues um, within your organization posted something I found fascinating the other day. It's from a a June 6th, 2022 policy committee meeting, and it was some drafts that were being reviewed by the the Belton School District. And then what caught my eye was uh, some legislative priorities. Yes. And there is a section where it's uh, the heading is increase local control. Yes. And it goes through and it first talks about our district is represented by seven locally elected trustees who are best able to respond to the needs of our students, staff, families, and communities. Okay, so good so far. Mm-hmm. Protecting and increasing the authority of our locally elected officials supports the delivery of thoughtful, effective public education to meet the needs of our community. So we need to protect and and increase the authority of our locally elected officials in order to make sure that public education needs of the community are met. Yeah. Protect and increase. (laughs) And to do that, four points in doing that, number one, maintain the May election date right. as an option for school district bond and board elections. Shock face. Yes, exactly. Low voter turnout. <laughs> Number two, eliminate required misleading information for ballot bond ballot language while ensuring ballot language is transparent for voters. Right. So this, this goes back to Huckabee. This will increase your taxes. Yes, and also, but years ago, yes. when Susan Combs mm-hmm. was in yes. the, involved in the, the Texas legislature, she had a provision. They She got inter, um, legislation introduced that would have had your existing bond level, debt levels, yeah. principal and interest exactly. printed on the statement. That needs to be on the and you know who was in there fighting that longest and hardest? Mm-hmm. Texas Association of School Boards, Texas Municipal League, Texas Association of Counties, Texas Association of of School Administrators. Yes, all of those people that we are paying to work against us. We were just at a budget and compensation meeting on Thursday. And they had on there, of course, the bond was brought up. Of course, they it was brought up in the sense that they were relieved that it got passed mm-hmm. as they were talking about compensation for employees. And But it also, they had a slide in the presentation, which is visible on the BISD site, that showed the amount of property taxes that we fund the BISD school district. So when they say that it is not a tax increase when a bond passes. It's a semantics game. That is right. And that's what, you know, and we had board members, you know, we would say that, hey, let's talk about tax increases and our my property tax that has gone up, tw- you know, 13, 20%, you know, over the last several years. That is the tax rate increase I'm concerned with and that that funds your schools. And so when you put on the bond and says no tax rate increase, that is a lie. Right. And people who are thinking, who have critical thinking skills, will get that. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, we have too many pom-pom waivers <laughs> yeah. who, you yeah. know, they're showing their school spirit exactly. colors. And, you know, God love yes. them. That's wonderful. But it's not reality. Right. And the districts will utilize those people oh, it's an to, army. yes. One other thing, too, under this um, this increased local control of this thing is, well, they, two other things. They talk about renewing statutes that authorize local governments to spur economic development through Chapter 313 agreements. I'm not familiar with Chapter 313 agreements, but I have a feeling there's a lot of developers and um, like local business climate. people, yes. But the fourth thing, reject further state-imposed restrictions on school district elections. Mm-hmm. They seem to be forgetting that the school districts actually flow from authority of the state yes. and not vice versa. So the 
tail is trying to wag the dog and I find that to be a very very troubling but at the same time who are these who do these people think they are well there also that's also a response to they realize that people like Jeff and I and you Lynn and, and Luann that that you're speaking to our legislatures on a personal basis it's no longer you know far away or we're just reading the newspaper that we're actually engaged and having conversations with them about what is how this what they the laws that they pass and the laws that they don't pass affect us um, and so we're now giving voice to that. So this is a response by the school board members that they're they're saying, you know, we meet with with our representatives, local representatives here. So they're and like, okay, the so so they're copying what we're doing because they're like, okay, we need to do that. TASB actually, they have uh, we have three representatives from our. Belton ISD School Board, who are on the Legislative Task Force, and TASB has organized that with all of the ISDs. So this is not isolated to just Belton, and oh, they've they've not. met already. I believe uh, it started last year at the last convention in September. They've already uh, they meet. They've already met twice to discuss the what you just read, and they're going to be meeting another time before the next uh, convention, which will be happening in September. So that so they're organizing. They're starting to see the right end of the wall. They know that school choice is going to be a hot um, item. Good. Uh, coming up right so there and the Belton ISD has already taken a position um, on that that happened at the policy committee yes policy committee meeting also uh, this month so they've talked to uh, our two local representatives um, about that about their position that they oppose it and that they're going to protect protect those education dollars Um, but we're protecting education dollars in a system that is that is broken well it's not serving our kids yeah and as as we wrap up you know i one of the things that just stunned me in reading this article that the telegram did write about the about the belton electioneering allegations was from superintendent matt smith and he said that we believe we followed the law and it bothers me to know that some people question that well, I guess my advice, not like he's asking for it, to Mr. Smith would be if you can't handle people questioning things, perhaps you need to go back to the teacher's lounge and stay someplace that would be a little more friendly toward you and your thought processes. But meanwhile, I am very thankful, as Lynn said earlier, I am so thankful that people like you all are out there fighting the good fight not only are you doing a good service for your community, but hopefully you also are serving as examples to inspire other people in Belton, in Temple, or wherever to be also getting in fighting that fight. I appreciate your spending time with us to help give voice to what you're doing. And I want to, as we're, we're wrapping up, I'll give Lynn a ch- chance for his final thoughts too but I want you guys just you know closing thoughts and also tell people how to get a hold of you where they can find you if they want to learn more or follow more what you're doing so I'll turn it over to you guys first I want to thank you guys because you've got a much wider reach than we have you know on Facebook or whatever else and there's we're at we're at the position we're at right now nationally locally or anything else because of voter apathy you know, when you have 14%, 16% voter turnout or 5% voter turnout for these uh, uh, bond elections and board elections, that's horrible. That's not how a republic operates. It has to be operated with intelligent individuals that are looking at the issues. And I hope people understand that we are not the enemy of the school board. Right. We are the friend of the parent. We want what's best for the kids. We want what's best for the schools and best for the taxpayers. That's probably the most important thing. We shouldn't be looked at as adversarial. The, the school board should look at us and actually with an open arm and say, what are you seeing that we don't see? Right. Instead of taking it personal and, and with the criticism. So that, that's my two cent soapbox there. I appreciate it. Um, we need more people to show up at school board meetings to yes. see what's actually going on. Show up at policy meetings to see the behind the scenes of what's going on and be able to make these informed decisions when it comes time to vote on these, on these matters. 
Right. Again, thank you for allowing us to um, to have this platform yeah. uh, to reach more voices um, because our school boards are so, so very important. And as Jeff said, if we can have more people show up at those board meetings uh, to see what is actually happening, uh, at, it was eye-opening to me, and that's why I stay. We all have lots to do, but it's very, very important. Uh, you can reach us at uh, our Facebook group is Belton ISD Accountability. If you put in Belton ISD, we're going to show up in your church in your search. Um, also, we have a Facebook page that is called Belton Parents for Change, and it's the number four. And so it's a brand new uh, Facebook page, but we also do have a website um, that is of the same name. It's Belton uh, Parents for change with the number four. Uh, we have uh, on that page, we're going to start uh, putting out some information uh, that's not sensitive uh, that we talk about in the group, but uh, we're going to be putting that out onto the page. Also, we do have upcoming prayer walks uh, that we're going to be doing for our Belton ISD schools. So we have two events uh, that are Facebook events that are available on that Facebook page, Belton Parents for a Change. And it's going to be on all Fridays. And also we're going to have a marathon Saturday to hit all the elementary schools uh, because we want to surround our schools in prayer to support our students and our teachers as they kick off the year. My final point, very simple. If we want to fix this problem, ultimately, we're going to have to attach education dollars to the student and not to the district. And if every city in Texas had a high school with the same values as Hillsdale College, there would be a waiting list 40 miles long of people wanting to get out of our public schools. All I can say is thank you to everybody for your time today. Hopefully, our sharing our thoughts, perspectives, information will help other people to go out, join us in the fight because it's not over, but America's worth fighting for. We've got our work cut out, but we can do it. And please remember, courage is contagious. Let's try and go spread some around. So once again, thank you. This is Political Pursuits, the podcast. I'm Lou Ann Anderson. We look forward to seeing you next time.